0: Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined as always by Will Schroeder, my friend, the partner, and the CEO and founder of Startups.com. But I'm also joined once again by a whole bunch of really awesome founders. We're doing our, our kind of live show here. Uh, we won't be hearing from any of them immediately, uh, but we, uh, we, will, we will get everybody's feedback as we move further into the show, and we'll try to incorporate some of that uh, in the show. But this is kind of a live experiment, so we'll just see how it goes. So today we are going to dive into what does it take to be happy as a founder? And we're going to approach this from sort of the clear the fence, not aim for the moon perspective. What are the least characteristics and factors that you need to be true in your life as a founder to be happy enough to keep doing this long enough to achieve those larger dreams? Will, what's this take for us, buddy? Well, okay. So
1: he, here, here's why I think this is important. I think we've all got this super distant goal of where <laughs> happiness is, right? Yep. And the, the problem is either it's largely undefined, which I think sucks, um, or we've got this this concept that, boy, if I just had enough money, everything would be good, right? right? And, yeah, and, and, and the, look, the old I've,
0: amorphous <laughs> dollar amount. The yeah, enough, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, having like,
1: less of it makes things more, suck. So let's,
0: let's be clear. Right. Having more
1: of this <laughs> is a bad thing. Definitely helps. Uh, But I started thinking a lot about it. And I started to think about all the founders that I know and all that have some level of happiness with their business. This isn't about everything in life. We're talking about just around my startup. What have I got to have? And so I started listing all the things that I've seen people say or heard people say over the years and kind of how I felt personally and said, kind of, what are the top three? And here's why I think it's kind of interesting. It's like, if we start to define exactly what those things are, and we can get the shortest path to achieving just the minimum go-to, what's cool about that is we can kind of look look around and say, okay, like, yeah, sure, I want more, but like, I'm good. And Ryan, how often are we ever able to say, I'm good? All right, so before we get into this next topic, I just want to let you know, what we talk about here is like 1% of the conversation. You know, really this conversation is going on all day long online at groups.startups.com where Ryan and I pretty much talk endlessly with founders about every one of these topics. So if by the end of this discussion, you like the topic and you want to dig into it a little bit more with Ryan and I, just head to groups.startups.com and we'll
0: pick it up from there. But it it depends on how deliberate you are about creating that. I think if we go back to what you said at the top, when it's amorphous and you're you're pinning all of your happiness on these outcomes that are low probability and well into the future, you're you're going to suffer, right? And so right. it's about it's about having clear definition. Of, of course, yes, have those have those long range goals that you want to hit, um, but for one, don't let them be amorphous, and and two, set much shorter term milestones that you can hit in the same way that you would, you know break out any type of a project and break that into smaller milestones is okay what's the what's the thing we're going to get done this day like what are we going to get done today forget about the fact that this project will take a year what am i doing today to move closer to that and what conditions need to be true same thing goes goes for happiness here right in, mm-hmm. in terms of just feeling good about being in our business and running it because the reality is the minute you stop feeling good about it uh, for an extended period of time uh it it tends to go one direction and that's straight out of business. So it's important to make sure that we, that we clear these, clear these hurdles.
1: I've hit financial milestones in the business and felt like shit the entire time, which really (laughs) at the time kind of like baffled me because I was like, wait a minute, wasn't the whole point here to be able to kind of get ahead and hit these milestones and, you know, in whatever, why do I still feel like crap? And it's because at the time, I, I I distracted myself. I thought that the that the revenue or the company's success itself would solve my, my my startup problems, so to speak, of my happiness. Sure. And it turns out I was just optimizing for the wrong stuff. Fast forward years and years and years later, when we were starting uh, startups.com. Do you remember we had these discussions? Uh, I remember being in our creepy basement of our office having this discussion. I don't know why, <laughs> why we chose there, but it was, it was a weird spot. To because do. we were refinishing
0: the upstairs. Oh, that's right. All, that's right. There was all that solvent all <laughs> over the right. floor it's that was making everybody high. That. Yeah.
1: Oh, what a shit show. Uh, but I remember being down there. This is like in the, in the early, early days. And I remember saying, okay, we're at $0 right now, right? And, and just right. everything's a disaster. The whole thing's a mess. And we said, Okay. We have three phases that we want to get to, and I don't have like all like my memory sucks. I don't have the exact uh you know what all the the details of all the, the phases were, but it was like phase one, make just enough money to know that we might not go out of business, right? And that right, was that was like, right. that was like our, yep. our first level of of happiness. We just wanted sustainability right? Yeah. It's plug all the holes in the boat. Exactly. Right. Just like, it's a shitty boat. It's not going anywhere, but like we're not sinking anymore. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so, but the second phase was, okay, then let's start working on some stuff, you know, uh, we want to do or we enjoy. And then the third phase was we get up to, we get up every day and we get to do only stuff we enjoy. Right. We Like literally this podcast was on that roadmap. We said we could sit around a day like today and bullshit with all of our friends all day about startup stuff. And if we could get yep. to phase three, we'd be golden.
0: Hey, it's a good day.
2: Yep.
1: But we were super deliberate about it, right? We like we were so specific and so deliberate about where we needed to get. And at the time, we didn't have the framework that we'll talk about today. This is a hell of a long preamble. We didn't have the the, the framework, but I, I think you know, indirectly we we're heading this direction. So uh, one, right. I'm happy to say that you know it took us like a decade, but we're here. Uh, and the second is we were more on point than we realized it. Like we didn't go through all this thought process, but we were pretty close.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we sort of stumbled our way through it. But um, yeah, I'd say that uh, if we were to, to wind back in time, I, and I think that in, you know, inadvertently or indirectly, we were aiming at the right things. I don't think we, we laid it out as nicely in the framework like we will today. But if we go back to those earliest of, of milestones, they do line up with, with what we're gonna talk about today, which is, you know, safety, validation, and pride. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that, you know, again, without calling them that necessarily, the outcomes that we were trying to create in that short-term absolutely line up with those three characteristics.
1: We got lucky, we guessed. But but we guessed right, <laughs> which is all you needed. This we guessed bit. right.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, so kick beautiful. us off, kick us
1: off. Uh, 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 let's start with safety. Why is that so yeah. important?
0: Yeah. Well, look, um, when you don't feel safe, uh, it's hard to behave rationally. Um, it's hard to look much into the future and and be able to define those goals. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons those things stay so amorphous is when we don't feel safe, we don't really believe that we can achieve this stuff. It's sort of like, you're not trying to accomplish as much when you don't feel safe. You're trying not to fail. Right. and it's a horrible position to be in right with the minute you start optimizing for not failing uh, you increase your likelihood of failing exponentially and so I think that this you know these feelings of safety uh, whether that's you know you know financially um, you know Existentially, depending on what your business is, right. uh, but I think financial is probably the one that's the easiest to relate to. Right, so when we get to that point where you know the the basic needs of the business can be met, the basic needs of the founder can be met, um, we we developed this this very different sense of safety and our ability to extend this into the future, which I think is super critical at the early stage.
1: You know, you know who actually introduced me this concept. Um, was Elliot, uh, one of our partners mm-hmm. in the business. Um, he and I were talking years ago. And he, he told me about like this converse, these conversations that he, he was having earlier in his life. And the conversation came back to, yes, this is true and it sucks. Yes, this is true and it sucks. Yes, this is true and it sucks. But will you be safe? Yeah. And I think whenever I thought about that context, will I be safe? It always, oh, ever since Elliot explained that to me, it always changed my thought process, right? Because I was sure. like, "Oh my god, this horrible thing's going to happen." But like, my ah, rent's going to get paid. I am going to eat. It's going to suck, right? Like, there's, right. there's nothing about it where I'm like super amped up about what's about to happen. Yep. Um, but I think when I when I indeliberately look at that and say, "Oh, but you know, but I'm I'm not safe or I'm safe, etc." It changes significantly. And I think yep. our phase one of startups.com was. We talked about having unlimited runway, but really which we meant it was safety. Just like, I want to wake up and know we're gonna be in business tomorrow. That's it. That's
0: all yeah, I want. Yeah, that's it. Right. Which which gives you a very different ability to act on the problems, right? Yeah, I, I think yeah, it, yeah. it goes back to like that, you know, when when you don't feel safe, you're you're going to have trouble taking taking correct action. Um, so what, what are what other types of safety are there? I mean, so like financial is the easy one. Um, but you know, what, what about, uh, competitive threats? All these other things that we do get worried about. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we've always said is if you actually document these things, so we're talking about like, you know, what does winding down look like, or, you know, what is, what is having to let somebody look like you worry about all these things, what does losing that client look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and when we, again, we allow it to be amorphous and the impact to the business and to ourselves as founders to be amorphous we have zero perspective on what we should actually do about it. When you document these things and you actually say, well, like, here's the worst case scenario. And okay, it's not awesome, but it's not as bad as I thought. That just tends to be the way it goes, right? We, we talked about this a couple episodes ago where as founders, with you know, you know, we're visionaries, we're we're great imaginative, uh, imaginative people. Uh, we can, um, you know, we can imagine the downside being far worse than it is. Just like we often convince ourselves that the upside is much better than it actually is. So uh, that that sword cuts both ways. Um, and so I think that again, here as we start to look at the reasons that we feel unsafe, if we're currently in that position where we feel unsafe, uh, let's really clearly document, like, what does that actually mean, like. You know, am I, am I actually unsafe or do I just feel that way? And, you know, conversely, you can also take that and say, well, now I can project that into the future and say, what do I have to do to make myself feel safe? And the reality is just like we've talked about, you know, in terms of what's a meaningful exit, it's usually not as much as you think, right? Right. You know, how much money do you need in the bank to feel safe? Right. And we talked about this before we joke about this all the time. It's like $10 million people tell us $2 million, right? right. I could just live off the interest if I had $50 million, right? Okay, sure. <laughs> what would it actually take to just keep you safe right now? Like, what are your actual needs for, let's say, six months? Right. It's not $10 million. Well, that depends right? where you so, live.
1: But yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it's true, true, true. No, but you're entirely right. Um, I, I think it's a few things. I think uh, safety is, is just the comfort of knowing, to the extent that any of us can, that we'll be yep. around to fight tomorrow. Right? It's not always knowing that, like, you know, we're, in, we're impervious to any problem right? Sure. A big part of it is knowing that that we, we've got the, the tools we need. So for example, startups.com, if shit hits the fan, you sh- something bad happens, we've got enough safety in the business to know that we can weather that storm and be around for the next storm. Now, we might get taken out at the next storm after that, right? But our safety begins by knowing that we'll be around. COVID happened, right? I mean, that yeah. literally is exactly what we're talking about, right? Yep. And and it got gnarly, got scary for us, just like everyone else. And we made it through we had enough resources, right? Um, Not that we're, you know, we're Scrooge McDuck McDuck Cash over here, but like we had enough resources to kind of give us enough time to kind of figure this thing out. Now, if that kept happening or kept getting worse and the market crashed and everything else, like who knows? But our safety right now just says, hey, we just need to be safe enough so we can be around, you know, to fight again. So that's one level of safety, right? Another level of safety isn't just financial. It's just, is there a, a... the right vibe between me and my, my partners, et cetera, that I feel like, like we're in a good, positive space, right? True. Like, so you, me, and Elliot, and, and, and the real management team been around together for 10 years, right? Like, yep. we know each other so well. There's a lot of safety that comes with that. For a lot of startups, that's rare. I've been in a lot of startups where it didn't feel that way, right? It, it felt yeah. very
0: A lot of insecurity, yeah.
1: Well, yep. let me build on that. Think of all the players that are part of what we do, Right? So with, in our case, uh, we're not a funded company, but if we were, right. when I was a funded company and things weren't going so well, I didn't feel very safe, right? It yeah. felt kind of shitty because I felt like yep. there was this like, like evil overlord somewhere that we're going like, to like press the Dr. Evil people die button. And my chair was going to flip back into flames. Like I, I was terrified of, of what that outcome might have been. And yeah. um, it's hard to feel safe that way. And I think that's a key component.
0: It is. But I mean, like, and we've talked about this um, in terms of like hard conversations with, you know, partners, with with staff, with investors, with, uh, you know, uh, clients. The reality is that we blow these things so far out of proportion that that feeling of insecurity is often unfounded. Now, again, is it awesome? No. Like if, you know, if the, the thing isn't going to work out, you're, you're going to have to you know, look at alternatives, uh, to, to keep the thing afloat. You know, that next investment round isn't, isn't coming through. Um, you're going to have to have the hard conversation with investors, maybe with staff, not awesome. But again, like, are you actually unsafe in this moment? Is this something that's going to, to impact you personally? Um, is it going to impact the business? And, you know, we've talked about this a thousand times on the show, but, there needs to be a separation between those two things too, right? right? In terms of how, what impacts you versus what impacts the business. They aren't the same thing. I know we feel like that and it's hard to separate ourselves from it, but they aren't the same thing, right? A lot can happen right. to the business that doesn't impact the founder um, or doesn't have to impact the founder.
1: Well, there's another side of it too, which is um, if we don't define it, right? So you and I were talking about, yes. you know, kind of categories of safety and in, in, in where you feel safe. What, what made this whole concept work for us, uh, like at startups.com or us personally, is we are hyper specific down to the dollar in the minute that we are going to feel safe. Like this specifically needs to happen. And if I can get there, um, we're good. So like, you know, if, if, I, can, if I can make $5,000 a month to pay my rent, that's the number. The moment I get yep. there, I'm not saying I'm done. Like, you know, everything's perfect. But, right. but if I'm at $4,900 and I can't pay my rent, you know, that's not yep. the number. So I believe in a lot of things we did well, in retrospect, I don't even think we realized it at the time, is we were hyper-specific about what these milestones were for us. And I rarely, rarely see founders that are hyper-specific about these things. And that scares me because I feel like that's a lot of wasted effort, energy, emotion, et cetera, Um, chasing a goal that's not defined, which means you can never cross the finish line, which is a huge problem.
0: Yeah, for sure. So let's... Let's move on then. Yeah, so we've, we've talked about safety now. Let's, let's move over into, into validation and right. why this is so important to the overall founder mental state. Um, and you know, it, it's not hard to see in our space, right? Like if you've, if you've met a couple founders, you've probably seen some people who were desperately seeking validation. You don't yeah, say. So,
3: Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, but let's talk about why, why that's the case first right. and then we could talk about what we do to achieve it.
1: Yeah. Look, uh, what took me a long time to realize was I was working in a lot of businesses over 30 years that I, I would never felt good about. So I was never validated. I'll give you an example. Right. Uh, first business I worked at was essentially an ad agency, right? And it's any kind of professional services is by definition in often the, the most thankless profession ever. Here's how it goes, <laughs> right? Uh, I go pitch a new client with this great idea that they should use the thing called the internet. This is the 90s. And, and they're like, oh my God, this sounds amazing. Now, there's only two outcomes here, right? Things go horribly. My idea was terrible and they come after me, right? And, and try to like lynch me, right? Or things go great and they totally forget it came from me, right? They take all the credit, right? <laughs> yep. I'll, I'll never forget right. my client at the time at Best Buy. We rolled out like this solely, but we rolled out this like 10,000 kiosk system across the entire world to sell what? Digital cameras, which were new, to give you an idea how old I am. And, uh, and I'll never forget that the thing went great. And everyone at Best Buy, like all the corporate folks, all took a hand in having come up with the entire idea. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, yeah. I came up with the entire idea. <laughs> I built the entire thing. <laughs> like, yeah. nothing was never mentioned
0: once. Right. And, and all say. you, I'm trying you to all nodded. Ahead. That was your contribution. You nodded and, and, and <laughs>
1: paid me. Kind of hard to feel some validation in that way. Right. And, and, and I think, you know, when we think yeah. about, uh, the jobs that we do and the work that we do, if it feels thankless, if it feels like no matter how hard we work, um, we just can't pull reward out of it. I think that's hard to feel happy around. Right. People do it, sure. but um, but it leaves a
0: hole. It does, right? And and again, like these are all of those those little things. And and it that was a it was a great case study, but it was also a a massive and obvious place where like you had earned validation, didn't get it. Um, and so go back to that moment for a minute and think about like how did that feel coming out of that and like coming into the next client engagement? Right? Were you super motivated to like get validation the next time, or did it have a deleterious effect? Did it start to kind of chip away at your armor in terms of how much energy you wanted to put into the next thing? Because I think this is where we start to see that the the founder armor erode.
1: It was the first time I realized that validation mattered. Um, I I didn't see it coming. I don't give a shit how many digital cameras Best Buy sells. Sorry, Best Buy. It was 20 years ago. (laughs) Um, But like, that's not important to me. Um, What was important to me is like, I put my heart and soul into that idea and all the work behind it and took us a very long time to build this thing. Um, And it was like, I, I had no way to like, to, to take any pride or validation from having built it. Right. Like it was, it was almost like I created this amazing thing and it, it was like, I, I couldn't even tell anybody I built it. Um, and so I think what I realized was, holy shit, I'm in a very thankless job. Right. It, it pays well. Right. And that's yep. cool. But uh, so I'm safe. Right. And that's cool. it's important to me. Um, but boy, I, I don't feel validated in my job. I feel like at this point, no matter how hard I work, I'm still going to feel like this. And I hated it. And so it it, it, it totally turned me off. So I I think your question there is spot on.
0: Yeah. I remember remember going through something similar. We had digital agencies around the same time and going through these long, I used to refer to them as satisfaction cycles, right? Which was to, to get the client to a point of satisfaction. I don't know that we ever got the clients happy because they didn't really understand. Like going back to, I, I remember walking into somebody's office once and kind of explaining that we wanted to build a website for them. Um, we'd been brought in by another executive and we're now talking to the CEO. Uh, and I said, you know, it's the, the internet. He's like, yeah, I think I have that here in my desk. And, and he pulled out like an, an AOL floppy. And I was like, yep, that's the internet right there, buddy. Um, but so it was a weird time in general, but, you know, going through these cycles where, you know, it would take six months to a year to complete some of these projects and, you know, over, over time and the clients, you know, being satisfied, paying and, you know, getting what they needed. But to your point, like they were never coming back and like high-fiving the shit out of us, no matter how well things worked. And we turned on commerce for people that they had no access to otherwise. And we got Literally, no thanks yeah. <laughs> in return. And, and I did this. I, I was smart enough to do this twice, right? So after selling the first one, um, I repeated this process overseas and and built another agency uh, with remarkable similarity, just a, a different market, um, sold that one. And then I, I decided, I was like, you know what, this, to your point, it was thankless, right? It was a loveless job. and And so I said, I'm going to do something completely different. And I ended up starting a cafe, which, you know, arguably not a very cerebral business right? I didn't, didn't was, you know, it was following a pattern it wasn't a startup at all. It was just like, how do other people start these things? Okay. I'll do that too. Um, I'd fall in love with cafe culture when I was overseas, but there was something really damn rewarding about it because it was a very thankful job, right? I got a lot of validation. Somebody walked in in the morning Pissed off and tired and angry that they had to go to the state tower uh, on, on Broad Street. I gave them a blueberry muffin and a cup of dark roast, and all of a sudden they were like super happy and thankful and, and you know, chatting about their day. And it was crazy that like that had such an impact to how I felt about that business. Right. Right. And and the the energy and motivation that it gave me. Right. I, I only kept it a couple of years and sold it, but um, you know, wasn't it wasn't anything, you know, amazing or major that I, I point to in my career as like, oh wow, I did that. And yet, it was incredible how I felt while running that versus how I felt while running the agencies, which made far more money and exited at you know nice multiples. The cafe did not, it exited, but not at <laughs> nice multiples, right? But I felt amazing while it was running, I always felt happy to be there, I always felt motivated. Um, and so yeah, the, that little bit of validation, like even in micro doses of validation, right? It wasn't like you know, people were you know, writing letters to, to, to the editor of, of the press about how I helped them with that blueberry muffin. <laughs> um, but getting it in that moment felt amazing, right? And it was such a, it was an eye-opening moment for me that said, let's make sure anything I build in the future Allows that type of interaction, allows that type of joy to occur within the interactions, and so here we are at startups where like the the validation is pretty amazing, and getting to work with the people that we do is even more amazing.
1: I agree. I mean, before I start uh,
0: crying, you talk, Will.
1: You know, it's funny. Like I was actually like tearing up a little bit. Like I was trying to like like man and pretend like I wasn't, but actually, <laughs> I actually was. Uh, I like this the, thing that we do. Right. 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 When I wasn't getting validation, I got to be honest, I didn't quite understand what was going on. Like I didn't appreciate um, why why something was missing. But what you just said, right? And actually, kind of what what, you know, kind of made me a little misty-eyed. Was a couple days ago, um, I'd been helping out a founder um, through some really really tough stuff, Uh, and then uh, not last night, the night before. She texted me just this like long, incredibly sweet text about how much I helped her and how she was in a dark place and and how she just needed someone to listen and all these things. And it felt amazing. Yeah. Right? I mean, we've done a lot of cool things where we've like, you know, launched products and made money. It just, it didn't feel like that, right? Yeah. That just, that had a feeling where it's like, that's this is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? Yeah. Which just goes back to the happiness component. Like, I think when our validation is aligned with what makes us happy and we get to do it in our job. And that's the whole thing we're talking about is our job, not yep. the rest of our lives in our job, nothing compares. And what I would say is I can't take that experience and uh, put that genie back in the bottle. Right. Cause right. at this point now, if I were to go like, you know, run an agency again and see how thankless it felt and, the, and all the lack of validation. Right. I'd be like, fuck this. Right. Like, you know, I make very little money helping founders, right? It's sort of not the point. And the fact that I don't care is yeah. the point, right? right? Because the validation is so strong. It makes me feel so on point. And maybe at some level that's that's selfish that, that, I'm, that I'm helping people for the validation. I'm sure it is, right?
0: But it works, right? It's kind of, I don't it think it's quite, quite that binary. I, I don't feel like it's, a, it's a, a Pavlovian thing where it's like, because I'm going to get this reward of validation, I'm doing this thing because... If we look back across what it took to get to the point where we can provide the help that we provide, there were plenty of thankless days and thankless hours and thankless months and years uh, where you know things were significantly harder. I think that for me, one of the, the most amazing things was that as those first pieces of validation started to come through, that it somehow changed that entire history, right? It sort of rewrote the history of that was all struggle, that was all strife, that sucked. um, You know, I was exhausted. And it just turned it into that was just all the work that led up to these amazing moments. And that was a necessary part of this, right? So it sort of threaded the entire thing together for me. um, And the validation became, you know, it, it worked retroactively right? It applied itself all the way back to the beginnings of the company when things weren't as easy um, and things weren't as fun and, and the wins weren't as obvious. And so for me, it it had an amazing um, motivational factor in that and saying like, okay, cool. Now the next time something hard comes up, I know that's just the preamble for that future validation and, and being able to provide that value and, and have those amazing outcomes with people. Well, I think that
1: kind of ties into what I'd say is the last point we're going to talk about yep. a little, which is pride. Um, sure feeling proud of what you do. Um, I see this uh, most often in um, in nonprofits where th- they 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 almost by definition can't make money or don't make money, but they're so proud of what they do that it, it drives them so much. It, it delivers so much happiness to them um, and to the folks that work there. And, it, and And I think there's so much to be said for that. And I'm going to tie this very closely to what we just talked about with validation. I think pride is something you don't appreciate how much happiness it brings you until you have it, right? And you can see it in front of you. I'll give you a counter example back to similar to my agency days. Um, uh, years ago, Ellie and I had started this company called affordit.com. I, I knew right? this is where you're going. Yeah.
0: <laughs> could have called this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and and we were so proud because we came up with essentially what is a firm today, right? Needless to say, it, it's not a firm. Uh, a firm is a firm. We were uh, oh, a firm before a firm. And, yeah. uh, and so what we were doing is I had this idea that we could sell products for weekly payments. Uh, and Ellie and I went on this, this entire mission to go make that happen. And uh, so we do this. And we have a huge first month. You know, first month we launched, we sell like a half million dollars worth of uh, Xboxes and stuff uh, for like $20 a week. Um, guess what? When you give people Xboxes for $20, they buy them. What a shock, right? Yeah. Now, now, here's the rest of the model that didn't work out so well. Uh, they actually, they also don't pay you back, right? <laughs> it's really, you did give them away. It's kind of hard to get paid <laughs> yeah. back.
0: Well, subprime lending on consumer goods is, at, is a tough one. At
1: the time, I know, we had thought this was this genius idea and it was going to redefine commerce and et cetera. And I, it sort of did, just not with us. Um, but here's what happened. We were so proud of what we were building. And then, uh, as you know, Ryan, whenever we do a startup, we, we're always in the front lines. We always run customer service. We always get involved yep. in the product, et cetera. <clears throat> So I'm on calls as Elliot is calling customers who were behind in payments. Cause I wanted to have a conversation with them and I wanted to find out kind of where their, their heads were at, et cetera. Yep. And next thing I know I'm on the phone with a single mom who needed to use this, this mechanism to buy her kids an Xbox uh, for Christmas. And I'm like, I grew up with a single mom. Like I grew up on welfare. I know exactly what this feels like. Yep. Right. I'm not trying to collect from this lady. My pride just went from 100 to negative 100 immediately. I'm like, fuck this business, right? Right. And and, uh, what I'm saying is, even though the the opportunity was there, the money was there, and I was validated by this business model working and everything else like that, the moment I couldn't feel proud of what I was doing, I didn't want to do it, right? Again, you contrast that, Ryan, to, to what we get to do here every day. And, and, and we're luckier than hell. It's our dream jobs, right? We get to sit around and bullshit with founders all day. It's awesome, um, and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of what we do. And, and I can't take that away anymore. I'll, I'll never be happy again if I don't have that as, as, as part of my craft. You know what I mean?
0: Sure. Yeah. No, I think it's it, it's it's super super important, right? When, when we feel like, because look, as, as founders, we have to be the evangelists of these things. And if you're not proud of what you're doing, how the hell can you evangelize for something? It's impossible. Right. And, and that permeates down. We talk about this all the time, but you know, the, the founder sentiment is going to permeate down through the team. So if you're not proud of what you're doing, how are you going to motivate the teams to do what they need to do to make these things work? Um, I, I remember, uh, it's, almost 20 years ago now, when when I had my one job uh where you know I was I was running technology for a market research firm and uh I had sold the second agency. It was basically an aqua hire. Um they they had us doing some consulting for them to help them figure out technology and it just turned out it'd be better just to go full-time hire. So there was a little aqua hire happened. And through the course of that, you know, I, I joined the business and I didn't really know that much about them. They were a relatively large market research firm based in Europe. And, you know, I knew what they did at a high level. I didn't really know who they did it for. Um, And it turned out about 60% of our revenue came from massive tobacco companies. And (laughs) I was like, well, shit. And I stepped in at this time. Um, but then, and, and this was, this was starting to become more of a problem. Like there was plenty of old guard in that company who didn't care. They were just like, people are going to smoke. We should help them find them. Right. Um, we'll do the market research to figure out what color the packs need to be to get people to pay more for them. Right. Cool. Not exactly what I wanted to be spending my life doing. Yep. Um, and then the, the company went through kind of an existential crisis around this and it was driven not entirely altruistically, uh, there were a lot of other clients that we had in certain markets that refused to work with us, mm-hmm. and others because of the tobacco affiliation. So big companies like L'Oreal um, and uh, Nestle refused to to do business with us in certain markets because of that. And so the company decided to make a switch and and to get off of that. And it was amazing what happened after that. So we said yes to cutting sixty percent of annual revenue. Such a uh yeah i mean like massive because we didn't know that we'd be able to replace all of it um and we didn't immediately there were nine nine twelve almost a year worth of hard times and then those contracts started picking up we did start getting business from some of those other big businesses that refused to work with us in the past but the other really amazing thing was to watch how much more open and evangelical about the business everybody became and I started to tell people who we were and what we did and who we did it for. And I had a very different level of pride in that company at that point than I did previously, once you know I figured out what we actually did to make a living. And so it it changed the face of the company. And that that was, you know, kind of top to bottom. I mean, sure there are people, you know, like field work uh, folks that didn't really care, evangelize, but we started to see more and more of the 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 management team, more and more of the the account managers sell more into accounts and do more because they were proud of what we were doing. And they had that story. They were all very proud of that particular story that we had cut that client and and risked the company um, entirely because at that point it, it, represented well more than our operating margins right so it wasn't like okay we can weather this storm we weren't even sure like we blew the bottom out of the boat and said all right everybody run around now and start looking for shit that we could plug this hole with uh, we didn't have a, a clear plan for how long it would take us to recover from that uh, you know we did it with as much control as we could but it was it was a risky move um ultimately paid off but uh, the real point there was that the, the the level of pride in the company completely changed and it completely changed uh, the 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 revenue and the uh, the performance of that company f- to this day, right? The company still exists and is doing quite well, significantly better than it was doing back in the old smoky days.
1: You know, it's funny. In the past, when people used to ask me about my startup, you know, you're sitting on a plane and the person next to you, you strike up conversation. Yep. And, and, and invariably, you know, you do the, the, what do you do kind of thing. And uh, in the past, the conversation always kind of went to, this is the success the company has had. So it was headcount or it was revenue or it was some milestone that people could understand. What's been interesting about startups.com is I almost never bring those things up because true. in my mind, like, that's fine. I actually don't care what those numbers are. And that's not entirely true. I'm just, that's not the, the thing I'm most proud of. So that's not what I'm kind of, you know, bringing to the forefront, right? I true. instantly get into how many people we can help internally within our chats and slacks. Uh, you hear us bragging about, you know, who's come on board and the, you know, how great these founders are, or who's contributed, et cetera. Like the dialogue is very different. We talk, we have certain conversations about building our business and it's appropriate. We are supposed to, right? We're managing one, yep. but we have a lot of conversations about how we're just fundamentally proud of the people that we get to work with or what they're accomplishing. And that's very different. Like it's just so different than anything I've ever done before. And, and that's kind of when you know that something's clicking, you know what I mean?
0: It's interesting. It, it sparked a memory. Uh, I was thinking back to uh, hearing my father talk about, you know, other, other folks would ask him about his business. He was a foot and ankle surgeon, so they were asking about the practice. You know, how are, how are things going? And I never really thought about this before, but his answers were never around like, well, you know, it, it was never just something generic, like, oh, yeah, business is good or whatever. And it was never about like patient volume, never talked money, which would just been awkward anyways, but the, the responses were always about some interesting case he had solved, Mm -hmm. some person that he had helped. He always pulled an anecdote and used that as the proxy for how the business was doing. Um, And it never occurred to me but that that definitely came from a place of pride right it was you know a, a complicated ankle reconstruction or a kid who didn't think he was going to be able to go back to playing football who now can um something along those lines right a diabetic patient that you know they saved just in time and you know removed a limb um, but kept them alive right It was always something like that and it never occurred to me but that that was absolutely him speaking from a point of pride and being happy about what he was doing for the people he was doing it for
1: i think you can get by on not having any one of these or to some in some ways, all of them, right? But if we're talking about happiness, that moment where as a founder, as a team, you start to look and go, you know what? We've got this, right? We've got a long yeah. way to go. But right yep. now, we've isolated exactly, exactly where we need to be to feel safe, where we need to be, feel validated, to be able to brag about what we do and be prideful about what we do if we can get to those points if we can define those points and we can get to those points and we can we can kind of celebrate those moments then we've got a minimal spot where we can be happy and kind of start building the business from there you know by the way i just want to mention if what we're talking about today sounds like the kind of discussion you wish you were having more often you actually can you know we're online all day every day working through exactly these types of topics with founders just like you so Any question you would have, or maybe some problem you just want to work through, we're here and we love this stuff. And we're easy to find, you know, head over to groups.startups.com and let's just start talking. And that's how we do outros,
0: ladies and gentlemen. There it is. We never exactly know where it's going to come. I know one of us is going to do one. One of us makes a definitive statement and then it's like, okay, Okay, that sounded good. Um, That's the end. uh, I'm going to move to the top and I'm
1: just going to kind of ask some questions uh, and ping some of you folks. Uh, Jonah, you were at the top of the stack saying startups are a marathon. Uh, Will I actually be safe? What were your thoughts there?
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Bad pun for the marathon man movie. You were asking (laughs) if it's safe and I just my sense of humor. I mean, it's also (laughs) true. Yeah. But but, uh, sorry. It was mostly just a bad joke and then we got it. Sorry.
1: Okay. Well, I'm glad I brought it up again for you then, Jonah. (laughs) Uh, Mike, safety is an evolutionary function: bite, flight, or freeze. When you feel uh, safe, you can thrive. Um, what, what
4: made what made you say that, Mike? Yeah, sure. So, I have 20 years prior to to recently starting up my uh, organization in the classroom and as an administrator, and I always knew that in order for students to learn and to contribute, I had to make sure that everything about the culture of that classroom they were stepping into was safe. Right? That Um, was it a safe place to share ideas without being shut down? Was it a safe place to make mistakes? Um, you know, because, or else they're worrying. And then that evolutionary thing in our brains kicks in where they're more worried about their safety than they are about their contributions. So I was just kind of referring back to that. Yeah.
0: Spot uh, on. I mean, you could replace, you could replace classroom there with conference room in any, in any startup and it absolutely applies.
4: Well, and that's, that's kind of, I'm bringing the philosophy of the classroom now to the conference room, which is great. Yep, loving that. Um, okay, uh,
1: Andy. Uh, let's see. Is there not an argument that not feeling safe could be used as a positive to bring out your inner badger and come out fighting harder than before? And I kind of responded to this in the chat because I thought it was such a cool question. But uh, do you want to add any color to that?
3: Uh, no, I just, I just think a lot of it for me. What I found, I've, I've had multiple uh, startups. Some of them have failed. Some of them have been successful. Um, yeah we'll talk a little bit later about the kind of, you know, the validation point and what you're proud of. But for me, it's all about positioning yourself when times are really, really hard rather than let it overwhelm you and saying, okay, my back's to the wall and I'm not enjoying life is to uh, use the inner badger kind of example. But, you know, when a badger's cornered, it comes out fighting so much harder. And sometimes then having... Taking that as your attitude and finding your way out of that corner and then getting to your safe place can be a little bit more rewarding sometimes than, you know, building it slowly and not having gone through that sort of um, trauma, I guess.
1: Totally. And and so my response, Ryan, back was, was just simply uh, uh, that definitely, you know, motivates you. I just don't know if it makes you feel happy. Like if if we're saying, um, you know, how we trying to get to this, like slightly Zen place where we're a little bit, you know, we're like good at these baseline levels, um, that's always where my anxiety gets kicked in, which for me is always the opposite of happy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would say that like, I, I totally, totally take the point, Andy, and, and I agree that there are times where that has to happen. I think what what I would I would ask back is, yes, at that at that stage is where like, your back is truly against the wall, right? The badger has to come out, eh, maybe, right? As long as you see that there's some daylight there and that there, there is even a chance to fight your way out of it. Um, but once we we kind of get past that point, you know, we're we're trying to achieve situations where our back's not against the wall, right? And so I think that what we're saying is that at least the way I'm seeing it, and I, I want to get your, your perspective and response, but what we're saying is this is the backstop that that keeps you from having to have your your back against the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you see that as as something that is? does that come back around for you or was this sort of at the early stages where until you achieve some level of, of momentum, of course, things can, can happen, right? Major disasters can happen. COVID happened. Um, and that can take us out of a position of safety and put us right back in there. But is the Badger something that you rely on, on an ongoing basis for every new challenge? Or is that really when it's just like the the bottom of the barrel critical?
3: I think where I was coming from was, you know, I was very fortunate. I I joined the oil and gas company at a very young age and, Uh, I was in the right place at the right time. I was sent overseas. I managed to be the youngest board member, grow. And that was a sense of pride, growing the business and learning on the job and everything else. But then going out on my own and one of the businesses failed and being in that position of worrying about your rent for the first time in more than a decade. Even though the business success was a fraction of what I achieved in the oil and gas space, I felt a much greater sense of pride because... I went through that difficult times and I had a bit of an easy ride at the early early part of my career. So I found more pride in, I think you learn so much more in the down times about yourself and about your management style and about your approach to to business than you do just riding the crest of a wave. Sure. So whilst the size of success wasn't, anywhere near in terms of monetary terms or revenue terms or anything else, the sense of accomplishment from starting at a lower point was much greater than, than the early part.
0: Totally get that part. Yeah, I mean, that was my blueberry muffin story, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> financially, not, not a big deal. It wasn't a complicated sales cycle, uh, but boy, it felt good. I agree.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right. Hey, Mike, um, you said, is it possible to achieve a feeling of happiness as a founder by, by making sure you're providing safety, validation, and pride to those around you who are pitching in your success. My only thought before you respond was, um, so long as I'm not the one getting buried in the process. <laughs> 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 Everyone else is fine but me. Uh, what are your thoughts there, Mike? I thought it was a great question.
4: Yeah, I actually was typing that up as you began to tell your story of the conversation you were having uh, with the uh, founder who was having a difficult time. and But then you received that email mm. um, kind of validating what you were doing. Um, you know my my thought behind this is the fact that I, I think the Achilles heel, right of human beings is our ego. So we're always trying to deal with that. Um, but therefore, in providing these um, these validations and some safety measures and um you know, uh, giving gratitude to others, it's mutually beneficial uh, in many ways because it's, you know if if you're dealing with those issues of ego, Um, I feel like people appreciate it and then give it back to you so that it just keeps kind of ping-ponging back and forth. I agree. Ryan, what do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I look, it's again, like the, I was saying that for, for me, those validation points often trail way back into history, right? Where it it sort of repairs some of the pains of the past. Um, But in almost all these cases, right, when those validations come, it wasn't, the important ones, right? So let's say there's financial validations, there's all these other things that happen. Not that they're not important, but the ones that I think are the most impactful to us as leaders um, and that the sort of have the, the most residual benefit, are those ones that come from things like that? Like the, the story that Will told where, you know, he's working deeply with somebody through, through a really tough issue. I mean, are there any other kind of founders? Um, but, you know, in working through that, they got a lot of value and that was the validation, right? It wasn't that like, It's not personal validation in as much as it's validation that this thing that i've been trying so hard to make true is now true and it actually helps somebody else right Right. and so those are the ones that are so deep-seated for me um and again like yeah so you know she walked away from that with exactly what she needed right she got the help she needed and and will walked away from that knowing that that he had helped in exactly the way that he wanted to Um, And so now she gets to go on and continue running her business in a better state of mind. uh, And Will gets to return to doing this thing that we love doing with with that much more steam behind him, which is, it's so important, right? That's the thing, the the validation brings so much fuel to the equation, not getting it also has this Mm -hmm. chipping away effect where like if you're just continuously not getting that validation, like this thing that I keep trying to do, I'm providing the value I want to provide and I'm just not getting that feedback loop that helps me close this and say, I should do more of this. Right. right. It's really frustrating. And it just begins to eat away at you as a founder and make you question, should I keep doing this shit? Like this isn't easy, right? I'm giving up a little bit of me every time I do this and nothing's coming back. It doesn't seem to be having the impact I want. It's just super, super tough.
2: Hey Jonah, you had your hand up. I have been blessed to be involved in some situations where we're growing really fast and everything seems like it's going great, and there's a kind of a high you get from that as you know, as your numbers keep peaking and you you put in a lot. But um, you know, it it just seems like we're in a culture and industry that puts so much emphasis on that. And if you don't set some goals that are more holistic than that, uh, you're you're just gonna crash as soon as those numbers don't look the same. hundred uh, percent. And and again, because a lot of my background is in search optimization, we, those numbers could look great in traffic-wise. And then, you know, you spend about a week digging into analytics, you might come away depressed when you realize like, oh, none of those people are actually the right people. But yeah.
1: I, I get that. Uh, Andreas, you had your hand up?
4: Yeah, I just wanted to say this resonates so well. With me, I've been in the tech space for about 20 years. Um, I've done a couple of startups, uh, took in funding, and I was miserable the whole time. Uh, I (laughs) I didn't. Yeah, no, I hated it. Uh, And I I kind of, I wanted to do something fun. (laughs) And I started the Disgusting Food Museum uh, three years ago, just as a fun thing. It was supposed to be a temporary kind of pop-up, just something fun to do with my best friend. And it just, it turned into something so much bigger. And it's, it's, It it was the best decision I ever made to just follow my heart and do something I thought was fun. And I get that kind of validation every single day from our visitors coming up, talking to me, saying it's the best museum that I ever visited, and just having fun. And it was me following the happiness.
1: Imagine that. (laughs) I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Thanks for saying that too, by the way. Uh, And by the way, I love the business. Uh, Catherine, KD, are you still here? I'm You're still here, there?
5: hey, hey.
1: All right, we're, we're on to you. Uh, how to navigate when critical components of happiness are in direct conflict with each other. Ooh, that's a good one. Does it mean that I need to find a third option? Uh, what made you think of that?
5: Yeah, so, um, you know, I think everybody on this call can probably relate, which is that we're oftentimes juggling a ton of different balls in the air. We're trying to find personal financial stability, while also trying to find purpose and validation in our startups, while also potentially trying to find emotional support and stability um, as we pursue relationships, friendships, hobbies. And sometimes it feels like what I need to do as a founder is work 80 hours a week on my business so that that stays afloat and I feel purpose and validation. And then I need to work 40 hours a week to make sure I have financial stability. And then I need to have 40 hours a week to like maybe occasionally sleep and then like 40 hours to, you know, (laughs) see my friends. And very quickly, I'm like- exceeded
0: the number of hours in a week. I think (laughs) we've run out
5: the number of hours in a week, exactly. And so what I've been sort of grappling with is- A, is there a way to do all of these things? Or B, am I just putting myself in a situation where I'm doing multiple things poorly and really I just need to kind of like pause, take a step back and be like, there's gotta be some other options. Because what I'm finding right now in my current situation is I'm juggling too many things. and I'm really afraid all the balls are gonna drop at once.
1: It's a good way to look at it. Uh, Ryan, I'm particularly bad at this. So uh, what are your thoughts?
0: (laughs) So I I think this is one of those cases where we got to lean back a little bit and say, which one of these should I prioritize right now? Right. Which one of these is going to enable the others more? So if we just, let's just stick to the three that we laid out today. Right. And so it's not going to be the same for everybody. Right. It's not, we can't say they're sequential. We can't say, we'll just look, focus on the safety piece first. Um, and, and then from there you can build the rest of it. It may not be the case, right? It may be the case that you've already got a lot of pride in what you're trying to do. And that's sort of the superpower platform that you can build from. So in, you know, it never going to be simple, but I would say, try to figure out, lean back and say of these things, which one's going to put, you know, more of a smile on my face when it's true. right. So if none of these things are true right now, what's the very next one that, that I can get to? Like if I, if I really don't feel safe. And so in your case, sounds like safety is actually the core issue. And I might be misreading that, but it's, you're worried that all the balls are going to drop. So one of the easiest ways to avoid dropping all the balls is stop throwing some of them up in the air, right? Literally just focus on a couple things and figure out which one of those is, is likely then to be a, a, you know, a self-sustaining effort, right? So, for example, you get the business to financial solvency, so you don't have to worry about that piece of it, right? Or it can take on the, you know, the the place of the side hustle that you're currently working now to to make ends meet, right? So think through that, and, and look, this is not simple math. This is calculus, right? So it's 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 going to be a complicated equation, but. I think there's a ton of value in leaning back and saying of these things, which one would help me most if it was true tomorrow, knowing that it won't be true tomorrow, you're going to have to work to make it happen. Um, But rather than trying to push, you know, five, six, seven initiatives forward at once, try to focus on getting one of them all the way across the line so that you can actually achieve the benefit of it.
1: uh, I've got a, a little sticky up on my desktop. Uh, right now it's there for a reason uh and it 's relatively recent but uh, uh, catherine i i i can 't help but feel like it it, it sort of relates and i 'm just reading it now it says if I run too hard i 'll feel ten percent better, and if I relax and enjoy my life i 'll feel ninety percent better right in other words like if, if I just keep pushing harder and harder on this business and and everything else like that, my life might get ten percent better um but if I continue on this path where I'm not sleeping, where I'm you know, just treating my health horribly, et cetera, it will certainly get 90% worse. Um, and, and, and I don't think we really draw that equation, which is why it's on my desktop. Um, I, and that's why I said when you asked, like, I suck at this, right? I have two modes. I'm either working too hard or I'm feeling guilty that I'm not working enough. <laughs> and, and, and so in either way, I lose, right? Um, and, yeah. and so I'm, I'm terrible about it. I feel you. Um, Molly, I'm going to call on you next, but only when you put the card in park. Um,
6: I've, I've been parked the whole time.
1: Okay, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mal, um, you said, it seems like achieving the goals of balance, safety, and happiness while honoring self, family, and community and avoiding burnout can be the antithesis to what it takes to achieve rapid growth. Feel you? Um, can we talk a bit more about the exacting goal of setting like $5,000 a month salary that can help motivate and balance both growth and personal health? Yes. The goal is what matters. Um, Catherine, that's, that's part of what, you know, what I would have responded with as well is, um, you already know what the problems are. Right now, you got to say, what's the minimum goal I need to get to? I think I used this example on, on some other podcast we did. But years ago, I was at this like founder summit. And I met this founder who used to be in the British SAS. And he used to be in close combat training. Uh, close, I'm sorry, close combat, not just cl- uh, combat training. And um, uh, he had developed a munition, a practice munition where uh, you could shoot each other in real time and it wouldn't go through the skin, but it would hurt like hell. So you could get used to getting shot and keep running through it, which made him the coolest, toughest guy I've ever met in my entire (laughs) life. He'd been shot five times, uh, not at the same time. I asked him that dumb question. He said, no idiot. Uh, Five different occasions, he had been shot. And he said, getting shot um, isn't what kills you. He said, bleeding out is what kills you. The reason I bring this up is because what he taught me He said that the reason we keep people alive, and I use this metaphor uh, in the startup, is he said we don't focus on how we're going to get out of the room. I focus how I'm going to get two feet to that cover, and the next thing I focus on is how I get two feet to the next part of cover, and the next thing I'll focus on is how I get to the next two feet. That's what that's what planning is like for startups. We can't plan on how do we get to the end. All I can plan on, because all I can control, is what do I get done today, or how do I get to five thousand dollars. You know, worth of happiness as far as safety goes. I have. It's my job to define hyper-specific, very near-term goals that are the most achievable goals. And people are like, well, they're not good goals if they're not achievable. You know, what goals suck. Goals you never achieve, right? <laughs> because those are totally useless. Um, it's okay if they're hard, but they have to be achievable and they have to happen in a very short period of time. So what all of this happiness, Or I apply this to happiness and I say, okay, I'm an neurotic idiot that's always worried about working all the time. What goal can I set so that today, by the end of today, by 6 p.m., I can feel a little bit more happier than I did this morning? And so Motley, you know, my, my, my response, I'm interested in Ryan's thoughts in this as well. My response would be the goal setting around this is knowing exactly what makes you happy um, and then saying, what's the tiny bit I can chunk off today? And it 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 adds up. Ryan's leaving; he doesn't care about this anymore. Uh, fun fact: his camera turns off every thirty minutes, and so that just happened. Molly, what are your what are your thoughts? I have there? goals what? to achieve. I was yeah. off to get them done. <laughs> Turn that camera. Off. Uh, what are your thoughts?
6: Um. Yeah i I was listening. So I have two kids and started my startup before the pandemic. And then you know they're they're young, they're school age. I had to sit twenty inches from them for you know the last couple of years before Mm -hmm. they went back to school. So that's just That's like five shots blown into your startup body. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, and then my, and then sadly my husband just got laid off this summer. So luckily great severance. We're not freaking out, but it's like, I pay myself a startup salary. So it's like, (gasps) um, but I, I would totally agree with what you just said. Will. I, I live in the mountains, so I equate it to, Expeditions and I, and we listen as a family to a lot of expedition podcasts. And people that have something go wrong on an expedition usually survive because they're not trying to get back to base camp, they're just trying to get to that crevasse or that tree or that whatever. And so, I have to, for instance, like swimming laps today, my swimming partner said, Can you come? And I said, God, I have so much to do. Yes, I'm gonna come for 45 minutes. I can't do the whole thing. She's that's fine. I'm busy too. So it's like um we only swam a mile. Guess what? That's a freaking mile more than I would have swam if I hadn't showed up. And I feel great. I'm gonna be really efficient for the rest of the day, probably more efficient than I would have been if I hadn't come. So I guess I, I wanted to ask like about goals, not making lofty goals that are unachievable because that's that's just a downward spiral, but um ma- It seems like in your dashboard, like your, whatever people use your weekly thought process or daily thought process, you need to have personal health and wellness goals and business goals, right? That are both achievable. And that's kind of what I guess what I'm trying to figure out right now in a way that doesn't make me the bad mom, the bad wife, the bad boss, you know. So hard. Yeah. Ryan, what do you think? But it's, it's working. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah, finding the, finding the balance is, is tough, right? And I've, I've talked about this before, but I've I've always tried to find work-life blend as opposed to work-life balance uh, because balance implies impo- opposing forces. I don't want to do that, right? I don't want things to be in opposition to each other. And so I, I think some of this may just be as simple as a mindset shift in terms of, you know, d- does going and swimming make you a bad mom? No, of course it doesn't. Just makes you, you know, a swimmer, right? That's great. Like you're, you'll, you'll be better off. Like you said, you're going to be more productive. You're going to feel better. All of these things matter. And I know it can be hard in the moment because we feel like it's a zero sum game. We're, we're taking time away from one thing to apply it to the other. And so this is where it goes back to a bit of prioritization, um, but also making sure that you are looking at yourself in this equation, because this is where it gets really easy to get lost. You know, we're looking at the kids, we're looking at, at the, the marital relationship, we're looking at the the business, at the, you know, the employees, at all of these other things um, we're part of all of that, right? Particularly as we get into the business in the early stages as the founder, we are the damn business. So we have to take care of ourselves too. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to get up on a soapbox about this, but I, I think that it is important to make sure that you recognize how important you are to all of this. And if you run yourself into the ground, who benefits from it? Uh, the other thing I want to, I want to, uh, to key in on was something that you said in the, in the chat itself, which was, uh, is this incongruent? I'm going to paraphrase, incongruent with rapid growth. Do you need rapid growth? That's one of those really amorphous goals that we set for us. We all want to grow fast. Cool. To what end? At, How at what cost? Is How big? Way to say at what yeah. cost? Right. So there's all of these other things that go into that. And so, you know, self-talk is really important. The language that we use to describe what we're trying to achieve has a massive impact on ourselves. So if you're constantly thinking like, how do I grow faster? How do I grow faster? How do I grow faster? Be really careful about that. or Be really careful what you're asking yourself to do and make sure that you understand what are the conditions that would actually make that true. How will you know when you're growing fast? Right, it's kind of right, Like, set term. a
6: goal for that. That's actually part of the reason I put that in there because I feel like the startup world is like, "What's your hockey stick? Who invested in you? How fast is your growth? What's your what's your return over last year?" And I feel it like is. we have a self-imposed um, rat race, and it's it's bullshit. And so I, I wanted to address that. I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. I, yeah, don't buy into it. Imagine. Imagine if the same battery of questions were. Uh, when's the last time you slept? How's your health? When's the last time you spend time with your kid? How, <laughs> how good right. is your relationship at home?
6: <laughs> right, right. Yeah.
1: Imagine having to answer that battery of questions, right? Like right. V- very different. And yet that's kind of what's supposed to matter. And, you know, Ryan and I get a little bit of shit about this stuff that we talk about on this podcast because we're finally just kind of raising our hands. Ooh, s- sweet uh, camera stop, Will. Um, we're kind of just raising our hands saying like, like, a lot of this is bullshit, right? Yep. Like, we've done this forever. We've done that whole, like, gamut of, of, you know, kill yourself through this whole process. And it's not awesome. It doesn't end in great places, right? I've talked about it at length. It ends in horrible yeah. places. And, and you know, uh, we care about startups as, as much as anybody. I mean, it's literally what we do all day, but not at the expense of founders. Fuck that.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I want to add one more thing to that, which is that those questions that you're hearing, the answers to those are out of the self-interest of the person asking that question, right? They want to know that so they understand how those answers will benefit them, not you. Um, And somehow we've been fooled into allowing that narrative to apply to us and starting to think that those things are actually important to us, right? But we let somebody else define that. Like, don't let that happen to you.
1: You know what's funny too is I've got uh, a ton of founder friends that are on the other side of it where you're supposed to have all the right answers about how much capital you raised or what your exit was and et cetera. The most miserable people I've ever met. Yeah. Um, because they basically let themselves be run through this. And they're great people, great people and, and close friends. And they'll tell you the same thing. They're like, don't believe the hype. Um, there's nobody on the other end of it. That's like, oh, that went well. Um, it's just, it's another level of therapy. On that note, uh, we have to wrap because we're taking up everybody's time. Um, if you have any other thoughts, uh, drop them in Slack. Uh, you know, we're going to be there the whole time. Um, and, you know, hit us up either in DM or in the public channels. Um, if you get a chance, if you are on the the founder group Slack, and you just had a, a parting thought on this, drop it in the general channel or something. I just like to have the conversation with you guys that I know Ryan does too. Um, yep. And it feels awesome when you guys chime in because it means a lot to us. All right, everybody. Thanks. This was awesome. We'll see you, uh, we'll see you on Spotify or Apple or wherever we show up soon. Take care. <laughs> Bye, guys. All right. So that was fun. But let's actually keep this conversation going. You've heard what we think about this, but you know Ryan and I would really like to hear what you think. And we're online like all day long, pretty much talking about every startup topic you could think of from fundraising to customer acquisition to just really how to get all of this crazy startup stuff out of your head. And there's tons of other founders just like you. They're weighing in on these topics. So you'll get a chance to just hang out and meet some really smart founders. We're also super, super easy to find. You head over to groups.startups.com and let Ryan and I hear what's on your mind. Let's get to know each other a little bit, and let's just start having more of these conversations.